Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle-aged warriors, Chris Cimino and Rick Summers. And once again, we are back in the saddle, and uh, it's not the most comfortable saddle, but it's <laughs> a saddle. The saddle, <laughs> it's, it's nice to have a saddle. Don't you think it's good to have your own saddle? I mean, it's kind of I nice. do. And actually, you know what? It's always nice to say the words, welcome back. Chris and Rick are with you on Middle-Aged Warriors though neither one of us is feeling particularly middle-aged like, but we are certainly feeling the warrior stripes, I would say, on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, as I think a lot of people are these days, because between uh, gas prices going up, people's 401ks going down, and uh, the, the price of just going to a supermarket these days, it feels like you know, you're, you're being taken and somebody's got an extra hand in your wallet or your back pocket. So yeah. uh, hang in there. I think we'll get through this like everything else. At least we seem to be uh, getting ahead of the curve, dare I say, with the pandemic. So things are slowly getting back uh, to normal here in New York, at least. And by the way, uh, I've been in touch with Dr. Brian McDonough, who uh, we will be in touch with again on our show sometime soon. And some other interesting people coming up in the pipeline as well. So uh, we'll talk to you more about that momentarily. Also, uh, the baseball season is, you know, is imploding as we speak. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's stuck, obviously. And I don't know, you, sometimes you hear reports from both sides and you feel like, well, at this rate, they will never resolve it. And then I think just suddenly something seems to happen when you have talks like this where somebody says, all right, forget what we were saying. Let's just get this thing done. We make one concession here. You'll make two there and and we'll call it a day. We hope it's that really happens. like a divorce. It really is. Yeah, to a degree. Only I guess it's kind of a reconciliation, but uh, mm. we'll see what happens. I mean, hopefully we don't lose too much of the season. I don't like when they end up, you know, waiting until July and things like that. It, then it's a half season. Then they create these weird playoff formats. You know, I want a season. So let's even if it even if it starts a week or two later, I would prefer a, a full season. By the way, yeah. yes. uh, this is show number 80. We are 80. closing in on. Yeah, 80. Can you believe that? That's no, awesome. I can't. Congratulations to you for number eight. Thank you. You as well. And you really deserve the congratulations. No. Because you 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 handle a lot of the, the nuts and bolts. And uh, thank goodness, because I'm nuts and boltless. But did you read the fine print in our contract? After 80, you have to take over all the nuts and bolts. Oh, My warranty enough. is up. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Now we're a team. We're a team here. And speaking Thanks. of so, so speaking of that, and actually, you did get our, our guest for today uh, through somebody you've known over the years, and we're talking about the one and only Mark Ernie. And for those not from New York, but uh, Mark is a sports uh, broadcaster. Uh, I guess he's is he the sports director there at Ten Ten Wins now? Or? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. And Mark is just uh, college. He teaches at I believe at St. John's. Uh, and he is just one of the sharpest, brightest people I know and uh, has been a good friend to both of us over the years. 
because we all used to sit on panels together at the union that we all used to belong to that Otherwise you guys to... still belong to that I no longer am a part of. So, well, you are, you are a liaison at SAG-AFTRA. That's what you know, Rick, Rick is alluding to here. So let's get to the interview and get a little insight about where Mark thinks uh, the baseball season is or isn't going and also share some other uh, really interesting stories as how you get to become a sports dude in broadcasting world. But first, we have an all-important message from one of our sponsors. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. So Mark Renee is sports director at 1010 Wins in New York, and you've been doing this like your whole life, right? Uh, not entirely my whole life. I have been <laughs> on the mornings now for 10 years. And before that, I was doing uh, weekends and fill-in work, uh, mostly in the afternoon and at night. But uh, this is my second go around on the station and uh, continuously for 20 years now. And before that, uh, a handful of years on Bloomberg Radio. And before that, a couple of years uh, doing weekends on wins. Uh, so uh, most of the last quarter of a century has been spent at one place on the dial. So when you say mornings, how early are your mornings? I'm up at 3.30 a.m. You're sleeping, I, you're sleeping in. You got me by an hour. <laughs> well, I don't have to sit in a makeup chair either. And so we want uh, to talk to you about that, actually. Yeah, about makeup and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, radio. Sure. Yeah, sure. I don't know anything about it, but I'm I'm happy to help. <laughs> uh, but my first hit usually airs in the uh, six twenty show okay. for uh, Lee Harris. I'm sorry, you. no, that the five twenty show. What am I talking about? It's... I have to tell you, you guys do it in mornings, and I used to do mornings, but only for a couple of years, and I'm convinced that it's going to shave time off the end of your life. So, please drink up, enjoy, do everything you can possibly do now because you're going to be too tired to do anything by the time you get to be older. Yeah, so. one of my former colleagues, Judy DeAngelis, used to tell me that every morning. And she <laughs> finally, she retired actually a few weeks after Derek Jeter. Wow, so oh, really? That's how long she's been out of the game now. And uh, <laughs> she still says, you know, you're, you're lucky that it doesn't take years off your life of course we don't know if it will or not but uh i'm planning to be around for another half a century or so so yeah. i hope it doesn't take hey, too hey. much off. as you should plan on so let's get to it we we know in terms of sports right now at least being sports fans ourselves uh one of the biggest issues that we're all dealing with frustrated with it's the baseball lockout and i think i need some clarity i, I think rick does as well and and people listening in what exactly are the stumbling blocks here? What exactly are they fighting for or looking to change or alter to reach this peace accord? What's the problem is the bottom Chris, line. There are, there are so many problems and they really didn't solve very much during that week of marathon negotiations in Florida that led up to the eventual cancellation of opening day in the first two series. So even if they solve everything today, 
they're telling us we won't see any regular season games until at least April 7th. The, the bottom line is uh, the owners want to spend less money and the players want to make more money. And us being union guys, uh, we know all about that. Um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is the players feel that in the last two collective bargaining agreements, they made way more concessions than the owners did. And they did not want to come out on the losing side of this particular negotiation and the CBA expired back on December 1st, at which time the owners locked the players out. Right. So obviously big difference between a lockout and the strikes that we saw most recently, 1994 that yeah. wiped out the world series. And before that 1981 that split the season in mm. two halves, you know, the, the big sticking points this time around are the owners want less of a, collective, I should say a competitive balance tax. We call it a luxury tax and the players union calls it a luxury tax because they feel that a lower luxury tax threshold serves as a de facto salary cap. And mm. obviously the players don't want a salary cap. Right. The players also want a much higher minimum salary than they're getting right now for the younger players, because there are more and more uh, rookies and second year players who have begun to make major impacts on their respective teams and who are not eligible for free agency until after at this point, it's still six years. That was another sticking point in the negotiations. How soon could a player in his career become an unrestricted free agent? How soon would a player be eligible for arbitration? They wanted to take care of the players did of the so-called super twos, the guys that were called up in their uh, second years of eligibility, if you will, and have that count toward their service time. If you remember back a few years, there were a bunch of players. Uh, the Mets, Pete Alonzo, for example, was one mm -hmm. of those who was languishing in the minor leagues when the Mets came north for the regular season. And he had probably earned his way onto the opening day roster, but because the team didn't want to start his service time clock, they decided they would bring him up at the earliest possible time, or I should say the latest possible time to avoid him getting that extra year of service time. Mark, right. I want to ask you, I mean, sports is your life. Sports is your business. But from a fan perspective, you know, thinking back to the innocent days of being a kid and collecting baseball cards, putting yeah. them in the spokes on your bicycle. What does this do to you? What does all of this, all these hiccups, stops and starts do to you as a fan? You know what? It, it breaks my heart almost as much as remembering that I put baseball cards in the spokes of my bicycle <laughs> and destroyed their value. Yes. Oh, no more mint condition. I have to tell you, you know, obviously from a professional standpoint, it makes things pretty difficult as far as, you know, telling stories to a radio audience about what's happening in baseball, because right now there's nothing happening in baseball and I won't be able to recap any games or tell stories about, you know, any heroics or uh, heroes and goats or anything like that. As a fan, listen, I, I love going out to the ballpark, and I have since I'm seven years old. It's one of my favorite places to be on the planet, Yankee Stadium or City Field or any of the other ballparks that I've been to. And I've been to a lot over the years. I've had the good fortune to travel a bunch uh, on my own dime. I'll have the company know. 
and uh, <laughs> and take in games at a lot of uh, a lot of cool places. Uh, so the fact that I'm not going to be able to do that. Um, at least for the first few weeks of what would have been the regular season. And, and who knows how long this is going to last. Yeah. You know, the fact that two years ago we had a truncated season that didn't start until July and we weren't even sure we'd have a season then, um, you know, that hurt for obvious reasons. And even when we started getting back to the ballparks, my visits were few and far between because, uh, you know, there was a fear of bringing a potentially fatal virus home to a family that has some high risks. And I was able to go, I think I went to opening night at Yankee stadium against the Red Sox on that Friday night. I might've been the one Met game. Uh, I think last year between the two teams, uh, I know I was at the nine 11 game, the, the 20th uh, anniversary uh, remembrance of nine 11 that they did between the Yankees and Mets at city field. And I might've been to one or two other games uh, all season. So maybe in the last two years, I've been to five games where ordinarily wow. I would be at closer to 45 games right. between the two places. So maybe the fans response to this though, should be uh, when they come back, there'll be a fan walkout and we don't show up. We lock ourselves out because we're all, the fan is basically at the mercy of what's going on here. And to really go back quickly to one of those points, I always found this interesting when it comes to contracts and performance and value. So a young player comes up, he signs in as the minimum. Maybe he gets a signing bonus because he's extremely promising. He starts producing at a, at a rate that was not even anticipated by his first or second year. Maybe he leads the team to a championship. But he signed a contract for the first three years to get paid X amount of dollars. That's the contract. But he wants to renegotiate. He wants to be able to go to arbitration. He wants to be able to you know, make more money because look how well I'm performing. However, we sign Lindors and people like this for millions and millions and millions of dollars based on what they've done in the past. Then they come and they pretty much stink up the joint. But the owner can't say, uh, I want to renegotiate your contract down. So it's really kind of for the players, I think it just seems like a one way train. I want more if I do well. And I want more if I stink. I, I don't, you know, if I don't do well, I just don't, you know, that greed to me, I'm sorry, I do perceive it. I know owners have their own levels of greed and certainly, but they're in the business of making money too, as are the ball players. But the ball players, I think are the, you know, hey, look, we're all in the same position. You work for a radio station that's owned by, you know, a large corporation. If the ratings, when you signed a contract for three years, Mark, and the ratings went up the minute you came on the air and suddenly they're making money hand over fist with advertising their sports segments, are you going to say, or do you think they're going to renegotiate your contract right away for something like that? Well, they certainly wouldn't offer to. I would probably right. want to go in and, and try. Certainly can't hurt to ask. But right. I, I think in terms of looking at this, at, at the greedy ball players, I, I, I have to take some exception to that. Because guys like Max Scherzer, who signed with the Mets for, you know, an astronomical sum over the winter, he wasn't in there this week fighting for himself. Mm -hmm. He's got what he's got and yeah. he's earned it with his Hall of Fame numbers. So he's not in there fighting for himself saying, hey, listen, I deserve more money than what I'm getting, you know, 40 something million dollars a year. He's literally fighting for the for the rookie sensation who comes up and gets paid. You know, the minimum salary, I think, is about six hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Now, it sounds like a lot, but the owners are going to make money off of this guy. Like think about like a Ronald Acuna Jr. who, you know, busted out with the Braves and obviously mm -hmm. was injured, wasn't around to help them win the World Series last year. But that that's the kind of guy that we're talking about who comes up and is just a revelation. 
and you know outperforms all of these 20 30 and 40 million dollar players and is stuck for the next two or three years until he's arbitration eligible at the minimum salary and so what the players want is a pool of money set aside based on performance incentives that mm-hmm. guys who outperform anybody else will be eligible for this pool of money now there is no pool of money right now the owners offered i think originally 5 million dollars or something like that it was it's definitely nothing. a seven figure maybe an eight figure number and the players wanted a nine figure number that's a big disparity and of, of course it, it cracks me up you know the people who argue this is millionaires versus billionaires right. and i'll remind anybody who doesn't know basic math there's a huge difference oh, yeah. between a million dollars <laughs> and a billion dollars so let's not draw the line between you know we're fighting or, or we're watching two sides of equal footing squabble over mere pennies because that's not what they're talking about as a union guy i i think uh, unless there's something completely outrageous in the mix that i don't know about i'm always a union guy because i understand how hard it is to squeeze the blood from the management stone sometimes Mm -hmm. and listen when you're dealing with teams whose value goes up every minute of every day whether they're on the field or not Uh, it's hard for me to listen to the owners cry poverty, even in the smaller cities, because they're getting a chunk of revenue sharing dollars that they choose then not to share with the payrolls of their ball clubs. And I'm not going to name any specific teams, but I think people out there know who they are. Rick, I see a hand up. And as a professor of uh, college students, I will call on you. Yes, sir. Speaking of which, you are a college professor, which we, Forgot to acknowledge initially, but we'll uh, ask you about that momentarily. But I wanted to ask you uh, to the point you were just making. Well, well, the luxury tax is basically a cap, if you will. It's it's a de facto cap, and and it says we'll set the number at uh, let's just say hypothetically two hundred and fifty million dollars. And if a team exceeds a two hundred and fifty million dollar payroll, then they have to pay a tax on any dollars over the two hundred and fifty million that would then go to the revenue sharing fund to be spread out among the other ball clubs. Uh, And every ball club gets a piece of that. So if there are three teams who are spending over the luxury tax threshold, there are still 29 other teams aside from the one that has to pay the luxury tax threshold that gets money back. It's Mm -hmm. all very convoluted. Uh, Mm -hmm. The problem that the players uh, feel uh, with this collective uh, competitive balance tax or the luxury tax is that there's no salary floor. So you can have teams, again, they call them small market teams, but there's no real such thing as a small market team anymore, given the, the broadcasting dollars that they get from regional sports networks and, and from the national networks and everywhere else. But you can have a team that spends hypothetically $50 million, which is 20% of $250 million for the same number of players on their active roster, which is 26 and they spread it out however they see fit. Now, the interesting thing is, generally speaking, over the last, say, 10 or 15 years, it has not been the biggest spending teams that have won the championships. It is generally teams that are in the middle who win the championships. The Dodgers Mm -hmm. two years ago were uh, one of the outliers, for example. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, you know, if, if you have a smaller pie 
then the players are concerned that and their average salaries have been decreasing over the last handful of years, which is also, I think, interesting to note. And again, that, you know, includes even the $40 million contracts, the average salaries for, you know, the uh, figure uh, uh, 26 times 30 teams. I can't do the math in my head. Don't even try. I think it's 780. How about that? Yeah, that's 780, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. so 780. Of the 780 active players on a roster, the average salary the last two or three years has actually gone down. Hmm. I think that's something that uh, any union, if the rank and file have their salaries on average decreasing while the revenues and the profits are increasing, they too would want to perhaps get a better deal. And the fact is the, the CBA ran out, expired in December. The players were more than willing to keep the same terms as most unions will do when contracts expire. Mm-hmm. They will continue to negotiate and work under the terms of the expired deal. The owners said, no, we won't let you. And that's what led to the lockout the morning uh-huh. of December. Now okay. we have some clarity. Yeah, really. Although my head hurts from thinking about it. but now <laughs> My have- head hurts more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let, let's change the subject completely. Let's talk about Mark. Little Mark, little Marky boy, when you were young, what or who, what event or, or who was it that got you interested in sports? You know, it's really funny. I used to do an audiovisual uh, uh, slideshow, and I still have it somewhere on a thumb drive. <laughs> While most of my friends wanted to be firemen, policemen, doctors, nurses, uh, one wanted to be an airline pilot. I wanted to be Bob Murphy. Oh, wow. Who was then the yeah. Mets number one TV radio announcer. And okay. I had it all planned out. I figured by the time I got through high school and went to college, and worked my way up through the minor leagues as announcers had done for decades before that. Uh, by the time I was ready to make it to the major leagues, Bob would be just about ready to retire. And I would, <laughs> I would ensure a smooth transition into the Mets radio booth. Life took me in a different direction. And I'll tell you very quickly why, because as I was getting ready to graduate from Hofstra, I started looking around at minor league baseball jobs and realized, uh, given the 10-year window, I had to repay my college loans and Hmm. the salaries that were being paid at the minor league baseball level then, which are honestly not a heck of a lot better now, uh, I would need to work for 137 years to pay back my 10 (laughs) years of loans. So that was the end of the minor league baseball dream. But fast forward three and a half decades, And I'm actually doing uh, some semblance of minor league baseball broadcasting, uh, independent uh, frontier league for a team in Rockland County. I'm doing a bunch of college broadcasting, uh, various sports, uh, soccer, football, basketball, volleyball. Uh, I might be missing one or two. And I've done some (laughs) tennis broadcasting over the years. Uh, Radio play by play of tennis is not easy, by the way. Oh, man. Well, Uh, I I was going to ask you, he, he hits it and he hits it back then she hits it, then she hits it back. But isn't volleyball pretty much the same thing without rackets? Well, the good thing is for volleyball, I'm on a video stream too. So hmm. I can let the pictures do most of the talking. Anything. So what was the most memorable sporting event that you've witnessed, either as a fan or working in your lifetime? Well, as a fan, it was uh, game six of the 86 World Series, uh-huh. the Mets and the Red Sox, the Billy Buckner game. Uh, and I was in the stands and there's, I don't know how much time we have, but there's a really interesting story about that. I was in the dorms at Hofstra that morning, the morning of the game, October 25th, I believe it was uh, 1986. It lives in infamy. I was uh, working my way through school as a beer vendor at Nassau Coliseum and the Islanders had a game scheduled that night. 
in my dorm room, as with most dorm rooms at the time, we had no telephones, no personal phones. So we all used the payphone on the common floor in the dorm. And at about eight o'clock that Saturday morning, I got a knock on my door, uh, somebody informing me I had a phone call one floor up. So I trudge up the stairs in my pajamas and it's my dear departed grandpa in Flush in uh, Forest Hills in Queens who says, uh, I have a question. Okay, what are you doing tonight? I'm working oh at the goodness. Coliseum. We have a hockey game. And he says, well, I guess you won't want these two tickets I have for the baseball game. Oh, my God. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I want them. Now, here's the quandary. I have no way to get to Forest Hills because for some reason, the Long Island Railroad wasn't running and I didn't have a car. So here I am at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning after we'd all been out to uh, the very wee hours of the mm. morning. And that's a story for a, another time another after time. the statute of limitations <laughs> runs out. But uh, I went along the uh, the dorm floor, knocking quietly on doors, hoping people would answer and, and soliciting them for a ride from Hempstead to Forest Hills for the price of I will give you the extra ticket that I'm buying. And it took until the last door I knocked on a guy who had a I had had a knockdown drag out brawl during an intramural basketball game with three days <laughs> earlier. And I said, listen, we need to bury the hatchet just for today. Just for today. Well, yeah, why? I said, because I have an extra ticket for the World <laughs> Series if you drive me to Forest Hills. So he did. We, we buried the hatchet. We called the 48 hour truce, figuring <laughs> the Mets would win game six and then they would win game seven and then we could celebrate. And then after that, on Monday, we'd go back to hating each other again. So we wound up at the game. And of course, you know, the Mets had fallen behind in the uh, in the extra innings. Very briefly, you might remember uh, the message board at Chase Stadium yes. mm -hmm. punched up. Congratulations, Red Sox. Bawling my eyes out that the, I'm finally here to see the Mets in the World Series. I had gone to a, a few Yankees World Series games, 77, 78 and 81. Not a Yankee fan, but I went because we had connections and I was invited and here I am. I'm finally at the game. I have this awesome story to tell for generations about how I got a ticket and how I got to the ballpark. And these bleepers are going to lose in front of me. And the right. Red Sox are going to break their curse from 1918 in front of my yeah. face. And I, I'm miserable. Yeah. And of course, the miracle happens. The ground ball between uh, Billy Buckner's legs and Mookie Wilson comes racing home. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mookie hit the ball. Ray Knight right. comes racing home to score the winning run. And the Mets walk off. Sunday actually got rained out. They yep, played right. game seven on Monday, opposite mm -hmm. Monday night football between, I think it was the Giants and Redskins. Giants and the Redskins. I was at game seven, actually. And I, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we had two TVs in the dorm. Uh, we were in a uh, Mets room in uh, one of the lounges. The Red Sox fans were down the hall. The Red Sox took an early lead, came to taunt us. We said, come see us in the ninth inning and we'll all celebrate <laughs> together as you break the curse. And of course, it was uh, morgue quiet in oh. the other room by the ninth inning. And so, uh, you know, Jesse gets the last out, throws up the glove, the, the dog pile, the whole thing. I mean, it's that 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 I'll never forget. Um, but game six was probably the coolest thing I was at as a fan. Professionally, I got to be I mean, I've been at Stanley Cup finals to see the Devils win. I've been at NBA finals to see the Nets lose. I've been at World Series to see the Mets lose. I've been to Yankees World Series to see them win. But the coolest, I think, Super Bowl 42 and Super Bowl 46, the Giants beating the Patriots. Wow. The first one in uh, Glendale, Arizona, mm -hmm. ended the Patriots undefeated season. I can't tell you how many 18 and 0 or 19 and 0 shirts there are in the world with <laughs> now X's through them. Right. 
mm-hmm. and uh, you know that were delivered to third world countries. The 19 and 0 Patriots, the perfect season T-shirts are out there, probably still in circulation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one probably topped them all with the Tyree helmet catch, yes, and, right? And then you know the the game in Indianapolis uh, four years later when Ahmad Bradshaw was probably told not to score at the goal line late in the game. And his momentum took him butt first into the end zone. And, you know, Brady nearly pulled off another miracle comeback in that one. But uh, those two, I think, from a professional standpoint, were probably the the most fun that I've had the chance to cover. Let me rewind the tape and ask you going back as a kid. Yeah. Where, where you grew up and who you grew up rooting for, who you grew up idolizing and what sport was really your sport. I've, I've been a baseball guy since I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mets were my team right away. And it coincid- uh, coincidentally, they went to the World Series that first year I was watching them. Uh, wound up losing in seven games. So I was a big Tom Seaver fan. I was a big Rusty Staub fan. Um, interestingly, again, not a Yankee fan, but my favorite player of all time. And I can't understand why. I have no rhyme or reason. Catfish Hunter. Hmm, really? who was one of the first big money free agent pitchers yeah. we were talking about the uh, union stuff and CBAs. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first big free agent signings by the Yankees. And it turned out I got to meet him after he had retired. Uh, he was doing a fundraising tour for ALS, which eventually would take his life. And I got a right. chance to meet him. I, I was producing a cable TV baseball show up in Rockland County, and we booked him as a guest. And I don't even know how I managed to book him, but I got him. And when the interview was over, unbeknownst to me, the host of the show had gone to the local sporting goods store on uh, Route 59, got a baseball, had Catfish sign the baseball for me, and he presented it to me before he got in his car and left. And I was... Oh crying like a baby yeah (laughs) so you know here's my favorite player turns out to be he's just as nice a guy as everybody had ever told me he was and i got to meet him as a a fairly young professional uh in the broadcasting business and that ball sits you know in a very prominent i'm looking right at it now in fact as i'm talking to you and it was just the nicest thing he didn't have to do that and and the fact that he did was just was just really cool. Of course, we didn't have uh, phone cameras back then. So there's there's no photographic (laughs) evidence, which would have been a nice uh, ancillary to the whole thing. But I I still have the ball and I look at it every day and and I think about him and the stuff that he went through, you know, the struggles that he went through toward the end of his life, especially uh, and just think what a what a nice, nice man he was and, and how gracious he was. It's awesome when you're not disappointed by these people, you know, you hold up on a pedestal without really knowing them. And then you do meet them and you realize that they're just awesome people. So that's a that's a great memory that that can never be taken away, I'm sure. Uh, I have a question that's kind of going back to the present now. And with all social media, information is constantly streaming. There are sports apps, blah, blah, blah. You could look at my phone and find out what's going on. Has covering sports changed from your perspective? Whereas maybe people would say, okay, at 615, Mark's going to be on. I'm going to get the update on the game, the scores, blah, 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 and 10-10 wins. Now people can get it anytime, anyplace, anywhere. So are you approaching the way you're reporting on the radio differently to get people to tune in? Yeah, well, honestly, the 15s and 45s are gone 
mostly <laughs> thanks to the pandemic uh, because we had no scores to report. So right. I wound up just focusing on the story of the day. And so I'll file a couple of things that run in the news wheel every morning. Oh, okay. um, usually the two big headlines, whatever they might be. Um, obviously this week, it's been all about the baseball. And, you know, last night was Kevin Durant coming back for the Nets mm-hmm. this evening when we taped this on, on Thursday, March 3rd. Mm-hmm. And um, so that'll probably be my big story again tomorrow is how Kevin Durant did in his comeback game. But yes, it has changed. Obviously the pandemic changed everything. Uh, clubhouses aren't open anymore. Hopefully mm-hmm. they will be now that uh, most of the vaccine and uh, mask restrictions are being lifted. But honestly, there's a chance that, you know, some of these uh, inner sancti, is that the plural for sanctum? Plural for sanctum. I like that. Sanctum. Yeah. That's good. Some of these inner sanctum, that's the college professor in me. Some of these <laughs> inner sancti may never be open again. And so that mm. that doesn't hurt me as much as it hurts the beat reporters mm. in print and other electronic journalism, because, you know, I, I can build relationships with these guys, you know, just chit chatting in the dugouts or, you know, in the hallways. Uh, but a lot of that opportunity, you know, where where the relationships are built is at the lockers, you know, literally at the lockers during either spring training or training camp um, or sometimes after practices. Uh, and that is, you know, unfortunately, probably going the way of the dodo bird. And I don't know how we'll get that back. Now, the good news is with the social media, the players can communicate to the fans themselves. But yeah. that then hurts everybody whose job it is to report or cover sports and athletes and teams because they don't have the access anymore. All right. You know what? We're uh, closing in on the uh, two minute warning here. (laughs) It's actually, uh, I'm looking at the clock. It's a great sports term, by the way. Thank you very much. It's actually a four and a half minute warning. So let's do a Chris. You want to do a quick lightning round? Sure. We could do that. Do you have something you want to start with? You want me to to start with? Well, I'll start with he brought up baseball and that was my first love and still is my, my sport. So do you remember your f- first baseball glove, what company it was, and was there an autograph of a player inside? I have only had Rawlings gloves my entire life. Mm-hmm. And the, the first one I remember uh, the autograph on was Dave Parker. See, yeah. you remembered. <laughs> that I could probably been... list all of them, but we only have three and a half minutes. Now, right. so. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the first president you ever voted for? First president I ever voted for. Oh, I wish we had more time for this. I actually got to hang out with Jerry Ferraro at the U.S. Open at 84. Wow. Secret Service was trying to remove me from my seats so that she could sit somewhere secure. And I was arguing with Secret Service, which was not a good idea. And she came over and said, what's the commotion? And I said, your goons are trying to boot me from my seat. And I'll have you know, I'm going to vote in uh, this election. So maybe you should be nice to me. And she wound (laughs) up being as sweet as possible. So, of course, I voted for her in Mondale. (laughs) Um, the the losing side, but, uh, I got the great story out of that. So it was was worth it. Okay. Beer or wine or something else. Oh, beer every day. First concert you attended. First concert. Well, another story. The first concert I ever went, I got dragged to the Bee Gees at the height of the disco era. And I still get made fun of for that. But the first concert I went to with my friends, which was actually really cool was rush on the moving pictures tour, uh, May 18th of 1981. I think you remembered that. <laughs> oh, you never forget your and first Mark, love. And, and that was my band and always will be. That's awesome. Mark Renee, you have been a wonderful guest to be with us. And we so appreciate the time and your intellect. I mean, you certainly have a great perspective that I'm not sure 
my social work background, my radio background, Chris's weather background encompass the way you do as a sportscaster and a sports fan, which, by the way, we have those hats, too. But is this baseball thing going to be long? I hope not. I'd like to see them back on the field by May 1st, if that's possible. I know they're talking today informally. And, you know, if they were as close as we think they were on Tuesday morning, Mm -hmm. so close that they extended the deadline to Tuesday afternoon, I'd like to think that, you know, whatever gap they have is not is not one that they can't finally close. Let's hope so. Professor Mark, thanks so much for joining us on Middle Age Warriors and you stay safe and let's play ball soon. I look forward to hearing you deliver some baseball scores again. Yeah, me too. Thanks, guys. I loved it. Wow. that You know, I just knew speaking to him was going to be reassuring, like the (laughs) big brother, uh, giving us some sense. But I got to tell you, his radio station here in New York sandbagged me before because they said, (laughs) hey, baseball's coming back to New York. And I was like, what? There goes our show. (laughs) Only to find out they were talking about and I'm not even sure what division they are, single A, but the Staten Island Yankees, who uh, evaporated over the course of the year, uh, are going to be replaced by another team that's going to play um, minor league ball on Staten Island this oh, okay. year. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and I've seen a report. We had a report on, our, in fact, uh, on our uh, newscast today at WPIX about how uh, college baseball is being attended at a greater rate than ever before as well. And that's what they're, they're wondering if it will increase even more if there isn't any major league baseball. I mean, people do just have a love of the game. I mean, I have a love of the game and I could just, I remember I used to just drive by the little league field sometimes and just stop and watch a couple of innings just, just to watch the game. It, it's just about spring and summer and, and newness and, and youth and innocence, even though it's and, not after and, hearing that conversation about what a business it is now. And the smells and the sounds. Yeah. I just love the sound of the ball hitting the glove when the pitcher throws a fastball and the catcher lets him get that pop, pop right in his yeah. mouth. I can remember yeah. I can remember when I was really little sleeping with my baseball glove and the smell of that leather and it oh, just, me too, yeah. And you put the oil in it to soften it and, and tie it up it with a ball inside of it in the pocket. Oh, yeah. Good time. So hopefully uh by the time this airs, there may have been some reconciliation. We're not sure, but uh keep your fingers crossed that uh, we get to see some baseball as soon as April and don't have to wait until later than that. Get please. All right, uh, until next time, stay safe, stay smart out there and uh, of course it's getting warmer and sunshine always. He's Chris Amino. I'm Rick Summers. This is Believe in Middle-Age Warriors. And once again, of course, remember, the show is brought to you by Bet Online. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.